it's Friday night. Time to kick back and enjoy Hollywood's latest blockbuster. Maybe you're at a movie theater. Perhaps you're home alone on the sofa. You dig into your popcorn as the titles roll past. You're enjoying yourself. But are you really having a good time? Are you seeing and hearing what you think you're seeing and hearing? You look down and the popcorn isn't there at all. The popcorn isn't real. I gotta tell you about something. <laughs> I had the I had the funniest dream. It was like I was watching a commercial, like one of those commercials that make the toy that's not that cool seem really cool, like Bull's okay. Eyeball. Wow. No, okay. Wow. <laughs> and so this toy in this commercial was just these small plastic rings that you just throw at a pile of other plastic rings. I think kind of like marbles, like how you try to knock them okay. out of the circle or something. But they're rings, so they don't roll like marbles. No. <laughs> Nothing really happened. Dude, anyway, but crazy. the thing that made it cool was the whole time there was this song that was just blasting, rage a rings rage a rings they're small, they're small. <laughs> rage a rings rage a rings They're small, they're small. <laughs> wow, rager rings. <laughs> like, like the fact Dude, that they're they so were small. Small was their main selling point. And also just made them like super badass because they're so small. <laughs> they're small. I gotta give me some rager rings. These sound great. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Were, were they like collectible at all? Were, did they have different colors or designs no, or like pictures? They were just red <laughs> plastic rings. Oh, that were no. small. <laughs> Uh, oh, I thought it was so funny that I woke up laughing. <laughs> the Rage Rings marketing department just blew it away. They blew it out of the water. But the Rage Rings design department <laughs> really was awful. I know. I wanted to buy them because they're so small. But <laughs> Yeah, they're small. <laughs> they're small. You gotta get me some Rage Rings. They're so small, dude. Oh, man, that's good. Well, hold on. Speaking of unbelievably cool products marketed to young boys who do you think would win in a fight robocop or a young boy (laughs) (laughs) man if only we had a movie that could answer this question for us dude i think maybe there was one hold on you're not talking about robocop 2 are you well as it turns out i am Hello and welcome to The Popcorn Isn't Real. So today we're going to be talking about RoboCop 2. Yeah. Torva, what can you tell me about this film? RoboCop 1 came out in 1987. RoboCop 2 came out in 1990. So just a few years after the original. But in between these two movies, there was actually a TV series, a cartoon about RoboCop. Mm -hmm. And uh, it only had 12 episodes. (laughs) I don't think it was particularly beloved or anything. Basically, the cartoon mostly existed to sell toys to kids, to sell rager rings. To kids. <laughs> it was a pretty good dream to die into this episode. <laughs> no, so around the time RoboCop 2 came out, RoboCop was kind of sitting in a weird spot as like an ultra violent critique of modern capitalism and society in general, mm-hmm. but also something for kids to play with. Right. <laughs> right. Like what the marketing department was trying to do with Robocop was not at all what Robocop wanted to be. I can see why visually speaking, they were confused because if you look at Robocop, he looks like a toy. <laughs> he looks like a toy. He certainly does. 
Well, and it's interesting. And I think that strange position, it was kind of precariously sitting in, had some effects on RoboCop too, uh, which we're probably going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. But first, I just want to mention it was directed by Irvin Kirshner. He directed Star yeah, Wars, The Empire big. Strikes Back, yeah. uh, James Bond, Never Say Never Again. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he's apparently he's a fantastic director. It was written by Frank Miller, the dude who wrote, he created Sin City, 300, The Spirit. He's written tons of comics. Waylon Green, I don't know how involved he was, but he's also credited as the writer, the screenwriter of Robocop 2. He wrote The Wild Bunch, Eraser, which I think is a fantastic uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie. But l- let, me, let me walk you through what happens mm-hmm. in this movie. OCP, the mega corporation that created RoboCop, they're purposefully like dismantling the city of Detroit. They're allowing it to become a horrible place so that they can <laughs> buy it. They want to own Detroit. Now, RoboCop, who is in the Detroit Police Department, he's trying to hunt down a gang of drug dealers. But he gets caught and he gets ripped apart by the drug dealer Kane and by a little boy named Hobb. OCP at the same time, and Juliet Fax, who is a woman who works for OCP, she takes it upon herself while reassembling Robocop to reprogram him to be more family friendly and more socially acceptable. But then he electrocutes himself to get back to normal. So she turns to her other project, which is to create Robocop 2. She uses Kane, the head of the drug pushers, to create a new drug-fueled murder machine that she thinks she can use to enforce the law for some reason. Uh, She names it RoboCop 2, but RoboCop 2 goes berserk, (laughs) and in the end, RoboCop 1 defeats it to save the day. I'm sorry the plot's a little convoluted. (laughs) Might have sounded like I mentioned a bunch of things that had very little to do with each other, (laughs) but all those things were important to the movie. And I think the convolution of the plot kind of added to people's dislike of the movie right. yeah because it, it's true. really hard to follow one single thread like to yeah, say this is on. what robocop 2 is about what is it about it's about many different things yeah. it's kind of mainly about robocop being a loser right <laughs> like being <laughs> stripped yeah. of his powers yeah, and yeah. forced mm-hmm. to be an idiot <laughs> i mean i could see why a fan of the original certainly wouldn't like this movie <laughs> Right. Well, the first thing he does is get beat by a little kid, like specifically twice. <laughs> like Interesting little uh, recurring theme they have there. Right. Well, what's what's your theory? What's what's actually going on in this movie? So let's talk about it. So the first RoboCop, like that could have just been like a B movie about like a robot cop. Like there certainly were certainly other could've. strange B movies. Like, what do you think made that movie so great? Clearly, it was. The social, political, and corporational satire that they threw into the movie, I think that elevated it far beyond what it could have been. One of the things that people might say was the reason why RoboCop 2 wasn't so great was because it wasn't an amazingly smart sociopolitical satire, that there's nothing else there. But I would say that perhaps there is something else there. And the entire movie makes a lot more sense. All the different threads, if you look at the underlying message of the movie, This theory, I have to give credit, came from a YouTube channel called Peaked Interest, and it was created by Lee Barron. He has a video essay titled The Secret Meaning of RoboCop 2. We're going to link that in the description, so go check it out. It's actually a really good video. 
He believes that RoboCop 2 is actually a satire that is all about how watering down RoboCop for kids was a bad idea. RoboCop was being aimed at an audience, namely kids, that presumably had never seen the original film. Oh yeah, they hadn't. (laughs) At least they shouldn't have. (laughs) RoboCop was essentially kidified after the original movie came out. They made an animated TV show. They were pushing out toys. And they were also trying to make a sequel. And this theory says that the writers, the people who created the sequel sort of sneaked in this little this this message into little. RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, not message and it's not very sneaky once you message. see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait, let, let me just clarify before you before you continue. I want to clarify this for myself and for the listeners. So you're saying that RoboCop 2 is literally and intentionally a parody of itself? Yes. That's what I'm saying. That it's a, well, it's a sort of a parody slash critique of what was happening to the RoboCop franchise at the time. How difficult would that be to write a movie about things that are playing out? Like you're writing a movie about the process of writing the movie you're writing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, not difficult at all. So like you might oh. think, oh, that's crazy. Like why would that? That's that, that is a silly interpretation. It's not silly even a little bit because after I lived and worked in Hollywood, every single movie I now watch, I it's not even a question. I can see this is clearly a metaphor for some sort of dumb problem that I've seen in Hollywood that the people like the writers and producers, directors making it clearly are very frustrated with. And now when I watch movies, every single movie, I essentially see these clear parallels with the problems of specifically LA. And I wonder how do other people watch movies who aren't familiar with LA and not feel like lost and confused like watching the newest season of Rick and Morty like every single episode felt like it was a meta commentary on LA and I was like how does anyone else I mean I know why I enjoy this because I've lived there and I've experienced that and that's fun and cool for me to see people commenting on that but how does anyone outside of LA even like this show anymore you know Um. so you're saying that it would be incredibly easy for you while writing to simply allow your frustrations to flow from your fingers to the keys of your computer and yeah. just have the movie you're writing be your frustrations. <laughs> like totally. That's, that's, that's a normal thing to do. do. That's a <laughs> right. totally normal thing to do. And it's not even subconscious. It's conscious. You do that. You're pissed at this, these people who are forcing you to write a bad movie. And so you write a critique of a bad movie that they don't even know about because they don't care in the first place. Yep. <laughs> no, they're never going to watch it. It's just a vehicle for money for them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's what this theory is about. How okay. RoboCop 2 was just a vehicle for money and the writer the people making it knew that and they put this critique into it do you think that's what made the movie bomb no i think that's what makes it good watching it now like i am watching it with that in mind i thought wow this actually totally makes sense everything makes sense whereas like your synopsis of it kind of didn't make sense there was a lot of right. stuff going on <laughs> i i have to admit i had tried to watch robocop 2 at least three times in the past and I was just like, why is RoboCop losing to a kid? I, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I want to watch RoboCop <laughs> kicking some ass, right? So I turned it off there. <laughs> Having watched the YouTube video that you referenced, I went in and watched RoboCop 2 again. And I got to tell you, I found it to be a much, much more interesting and enthralling movie mm-hmm, with yeah. this theory in mind. Certainly <laughs> so is. I think it improves the movie on the whole. It's a metaphor, right? And each character or group of characters represents something. And so I'm going to walk you through what each character represents. 
Murphy, a.k.a. RoboCop or RoboCop 1, represents, of course, the original movie, RoboCop 1. Kane, who is an evil drug dealer, represents RoboCop 2, which is pretty easy to see that parallel because he literally gets He's turned into a robot called RoboCop <laughs> <named> 2. RoboCop 2. <laughs> what a great name for their robot. <laughs> now, OCP, the big corporate executives who are controlling everything and being pretty evil, they represent kind of the Hollywood studio or even just the Hollywood system. They represent the the bigwigs. They represent the executives. Yeah, I don't think they like represent said, the, the people, system. the producers on the ground floor who are really working hard to make the movie. They're the people who are making all the big decisions and who just see this IP as something to franchise and make money off of. Right. I actually think that Detroit, the city, represents the studio because that's where Robocop was born, right? Like, I think Detroit represents Orion. Orion is the studio that owned and produced all the Robocop movies. And the good cops, like uh, the cops that are on uh, Robocop Murphy's side, like Lewis, his his partner, represent the the original fans of the original movie. And that one I'm totally on board with. (laughs) Yeah. Mm And, of course, the evil kids, of which there are many in this movie. There's a lot of evil kids. <laughs> they There's represent more evil the kids new than in any target movie I've audience. ever seen. <laughs> yeah, the new target audience that... That is destroying the franchise, basically. Aiming RoboCop toward this target audience is destroying what RoboCop is. Appealing to this kid leads to RoboCop's death. It does that mm-hmm. over and over in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and this kid is very closely associated with death in this movie. And in the right. end, he dies. <laughs> yes. Juliet Fax, the woman who right. reprograms RoboCop, her and the board that she gets input from, they represent parent appealing focus groups and the HR of this company and like the marketing department of this company trying to push RoboCop towards kids yeah. and towards family friendliness. To me, she represented, like, the specific individual executive who was put in charge of the franchise by the overlords. I believe that reprogrammed RoboCop specifically represents cartoon RoboCop. (laughs) I think that once she reprogrammed him, that was her creating cartoon RoboCop. And that's why... It quickly commits suicide, which it did. It only got 12 episodes. And then she's like, well, I guess we'll make RoboCop 2 now. Right? Right. Like, it it fits so perfectly in my mind. What does Nuke represent? Nuke is the drug in the movie. What is it? Like, what is it in the analogy? Because I can't place it. I don't know what it is. The only thing I can think of is that it has to be money. That's what I came up with. I believe that Nuke is money in this analogy. But also, like, despite whatever the allegory is here... The movie still needs a plot. Yeah. (laughs) And Nuke is essentially the plot, you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. So Robocop 2, it's a movie about critiquing the over-commercialization of Robocop. And what does this movie open with? It opens with a commercial. (laughs) Oh, you're right. It does. (laughs) It opens with a commercial about a car that kills the people who try to steal it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) No need to notify the police even. Just take out that... That uh, dried, roasted body and just drive away. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You just go on with your day. (laughs) So there are a lot of commercials in this movie. Well, it's true. And that's what they use instead of news flashes and stuff. Like in the first movie, they use news. And this one, they use commercials. Which is why we see at least three commercials that are just absolutely ridiculous uh, yep, during this movie. <laughs> they're actually, I like all of the commercials. They're great. No, they're all amazing. I really, really liked the commercial for an internet service provider, a network provider or something, where he was like, 
I needed to get these files to them and my network was down. <laughs> so I had to take a plane all the way there, but I was too late. And then he just commits suicide. <laughs> he just shoots himself and shows like, a photo a of commercial. his daughter. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, they're really selling this product. <laughs> if you don't buy our product, you will die committing suicide as an unhappy, sad, sad man. <laughs> You'll leave your family behind. <laughs> This is just a reminder that this over-commercialization is ultimately self-destructive, and it is the commercial itself that is literally killing itself. Whoa, just like RoboCop. <laughs> and all the RoboCop, the failed RoboCop 2s kill themselves. Right, yeah, RoboCop kills himself after he's reprogrammed. <laughs> when this movie opens, the police are on strike, and they're mad because OCP is essentially just dismantling the police on purpose. But mm -hmm. one of the policemen says, when someone's interviewing him, he says... OCP refuses to even talk to us. And I think okay. with our metaphor that we have with the police represent the old school fans, I think yeah. that's a pretty clear uh, parallel right there. OCP, yeah, the and people totally in charge, true. are ignoring the original fans. And then RoboCop goes, he does this big drug bust. It's going pretty well. As he's leaving, this foul-mouthed kid named Hob played by an actor called Gabriel Damon, who also voiced Littlefoot in the original Littlefoot. Land Before Time. Wow. Uh, and he also played uh, Spot Collins in Newsies. Spot Collins? <laughs> Never fear, Brooklyn is here. Yeah. I think that Hobb is actually a pretty cool character and a pretty cool villain overall. I think if they'd removed Kane and just kept Hobb as like the main villain, this would have been a much more interesting movie. When RoboCop cannot shoot this child, I think we are being told by the film itself that RoboCop literally cannot and should not target children. Yeah, exactly. And that's where the problem of the movie comes from. Like, this, this is the yeah, start. He of targets the entire... that child and, and tries to track him down, and that leads mm -hmm. to his downfall. <laughs> and that's literally what led to the downfall of the franchise. Exactly. They tried to target children. <laughs> no, I know. This theory is great. <laughs> it is. It's, it fits so well. Interestingly enough, RoboCop says, touch me to his wife instead of touch me not. <laughs> wow, dude, this ties in with our RoboCop 1 theory. If you missed it, uh, our RoboCop 1 theory is that RoboCop is actually an American Jesus uh, who paralleled many events in Jesus's life. Uh, go watch it. It's a really good episode. But basically, right here, he's forced by OCP to abandon the ones who loved him. And he says to his wife, I don't know you, which I kind of think the wife, along with the police, maybe represents the, the, the old school fans who really loved him, okay. you know. So we also get this scene uh, about OCP is purposefully bankrupting Detroit so that they can own it and recreate it to be more commercial and also sell parts of the city off as like stock shares, basically. Then we are shown that they are trying to develop RoboCop 2, which I mean, like, yes. uh, that, that's the, uh, that, they're not even being it's subtle the here with the, the metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is them telling this meta story of how RoboCop 2 was developed, right? Do you think that the other versions of RoboCop 2 that are demoed and shoot themselves or kill themselves, do you think those are like failed scripts or rewrites? Yes. Or? Yeah, okay. that's exactly <laughs> what I think. Because OCP sits down and they're basically pitched different versions of RoboCop 2. And of course, as someone who has worked in Hollywood, like that's what happens. Like you're like, I have this franchise. I need a sequel. The original writer's not working out for me. So I'm just going to have new writers come in and they're going to pitch me different versions. And inevitably, most of these versions aren't going to be very good, right? Because yeah, these people... Kidding. 
<laughs> don't yeah, necessarily yeah, know what the whole thing was about. They're not the original creators, right? They're just trying to come up with something cool that, you know, will get them some money and make the studio some money. So each one of these RoboCop 2 clones kills themselves, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. It is really good. It's a good <laughs> well, scene. one of them kills the scientist first and then shoots himself. The other one just tears off his own tears head. Tears off his own head. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Like, these things hate being RoboCop 2. They know uh-huh. they're terrible. They don't terrible. want to be RoboCop 2. <laughs> like, Obviously, the I'm person writing this movie script. Someone just RoboCop inserted 2. RoboCop characters into me. <laughs> Well, like, how often does that happen that, like, a sequel is being made? So writers are like, well, I have this script. Let me turn it into a sequel. And they just rewrite, a, you know, like an original work as a sequel yeah, to some IP. All does, the time. does that happen a lot? <laughs> that happens all the time. Like, it, sometimes it turns out well in the case of, like, 10 Cloverfield Lane, you know. Oh, that's a good movie, dude. And then it's literally stated that the reason that all these ideas for RoboCop 2 fail is because they don't have the heart of the original. In yeah. this case, Murphy. <laughs> it's pretty clear. You, you might even say it's barely a metaphor at this point. They're just saying it. <laughs> right, exactly. And we, even, we, even from talking to Michael Miner, like we know that they didn't like his script and that they didn't go with him and they went in search of other writers for, for RoboCop 2. So like yeah. we know that essentially this did happen. In fact, we asked Michael Miner about this, and here's what he said. Well, the the, the pressure was to get a script fast. They knew that we had put lightning in a bottle, Mm. but many executives have a different kind of pressure on them to come out with the next widget. Mm. You know, there are some executives who, you know, definitely are interested in quality and content. You know, Mike Metavoy, he was instrumental in helping make my career. I, I, I love him, love him to death. And if you look at the films he greenlit, Silence of the Lambs, Platoon, uh, dozens of films. He, he clearly was very interested in content. I understand the pressures that a lot of Hollywood executives are under. Sometimes I don't forgive them because it's, it's, it's overt. There should be more show art than there is show business. MGM hired us to write a... RoboCop return script in 2014 and 15. And we played around a lot with the idea of uh, RoboCop, who was like Han Solo in the second Star Wars, I guess it would be called the fifth, but in the Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> where he's frozen in the titanium or whatever the hell they call it, that, that we, we, we have a, a prologue where he's hit by a RPG and then they put him in suspended animation and wake him up much later when things have gotten much worse. And one of the things that Robo wants to do is erase his memory of being a human being. And so we, we still play around with that, that theme. The script was not uh, made yet, but it may have life in the future. I've heard of RoboCop Corporate Wars, which was originally going to be the sequel. Was this, is that what you're describing or is this something that's up and coming? We, we took that, the idea inside of that, which was written in okay. 1987 and did a, a, a new a page one original uh, based only on the, the concept that was in that script because we were lousy. We didn't have enough time. We barfed out a first draft just before the writer's strike. We, we, we carried on after a 30 year gap. 30 years, yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, 
It's a long time for well, a second I, I draft. I sure hope it gets made. That would be that would be amazing to see like a, a true RoboCop sequel after thirty years, after decades. Yeah, we, awesome. we would like we would like it too. So RoboCop tracks down this drug. He goes to this warehouse. And he's, like, sneaky enough to have his car go in and explode, yet he somehow isn't in it. Yeah. But then that doesn't matter, because he just walks <laughs> no, in and they see in. him. Because <laughs> like, well, he's not sneaky. Go. He's RoboCop. <laughs> well, and him. why didn't he bring backup? Why did he go alone? <laughs> he walks into a part of the warehouse that, for whatever reason, seems like they stole some stuff from a museum. And they have a bunch of Elvis memorabilia, yeah. including his skeleton. Weird. You, mm-hmm. Did you have any thoughts on that? No, just kind of weird stuff. <laughs> it's like, weird because it looks like it was stolen from like on display at a museum or something. I don't know. I thought maybe I would, it was a hint, just like a metaphorical thing that, you know, these people take something beloved and exploit it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, well, hey, that's kind of interesting. Put them on display. I, I would assume that Elvis memorabilia would be stored in a museum in like Memphis, right? Yeah, not Detroit. I don't know. No, <laughs> so I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> As we've talked about several times throughout this movie, the thing that trips RoboCop up is a child, namely Hob. And this time, Hob just comes out with like a minigun and just shoots his arm off. And then they quickly just take him and dismantle him. And Hob is the one who's like pushing them to dismantle him. Like when one of the goons gets tired, Hob is like, why are you stopping, man? He's like, keep doing it. (laughs) And he, he instructs him on how to do it. He's like, it'll go easier if you cut with the grain, not against it or something. I don't remember. Pretty evil kid. And then Mm -hmm. they unceremoniously dump him in front of the cops, the old fans. Yes. And And he's just twitching and looking undignified. This is the the studio or whatever, dumping the thing they loved out to their fans. Here it is. Uh, They're like, this is what we made. Here you go. It's a pile (laughs) of crap. And they're just like, look at it. Like, but you stripped it down. It's nothing we wanted. We gave you pieces in an undignified mess. Uh, uh, they kind of like hook him up and like just barely keep him alive with like electrical signals yeah. they make it very clear to lewis that he's just a product the only reason he's still alive is because we think he can make us money yep. <laughs> which i thought was very overtly <laughs> telling the fans <laughs> we don't give a crap what you think we're just <laughs> using this thing to make money right like we'll do whatever we want with it (laughs) and if we want it to die it will die (laughs) right this is the part where the crooked cop duffy is taken to be tortured kane and his goons hob and angie are in the room with him and the torture doctor points to the kid and says, maybe you ought to have the kid leave. He shouldn't watch this. He right. shouldn't be watching RoboCop right now. Exactly. <laughs> and the kid's like, no, no, I want to watch RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, I think that's another hint that RoboCop 2 and the people making it don't care if it's too adult for kids. All they yes. care about is that people are watching it. And if it appeals to kids, great. Have yeah, them watch okay. it. Or better yet, force them to watch it because when they cut open Duffy, Hob looks away and Kane physically yeah, and turns like, Hob's no, head and forces this. him to watch. watch He's like, you're the target demographic and we are getting you no matter what. <laughs> He's like, I'm Robocop too and you're watching this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just like they were doing, right? They were bombarding kids with Robocop commercials and toys all the time. They were forcing, they were putting it right in front of them for them to watch. Any kid who had watched the cartoon and had the action figures and stuff 
and then heard that RoboCop 2 was coming out, would probably try and see it. (laughs) They would want to go see it. (laughs) Be like really sad and unhappy about horrified with this part where they're chopping Duffy open with a scalpel. (laughs) And the writers knew this apparently, and they put the kid in the audience and forced Mm -hmm. him to watch it. (laughs) They sure did. Uh, So, so OCP is looking for candidates and Dr. Fax is looking among criminals for the next person to turn into RoboCop 2. Then the old doctor, Shank, says to Dr. Fax, you are not using my lab to put that kind of brain into my cyborg. Now, I suspect that Dr. Shank represents Michael and Ed, Michael Miner and Ed Newmeyer, not getting to make the sequel and going to do other things while this monstrosity was created and other random brains were put into it, other screenwriters just trying to make it into something. Johnson comes to the old man and says, Dr. Fax is screening psychotics. And the old man says, well, we aren't planning to build a toy, Johnson. (laughs) Which I think is funny because, like, just clearly much of this movie was made to get new toys to make, right? That's what the first one did for them. So they are building it to make a toy. They sure are. So they're taking Robocop to be fixed, and the chief of police says, he's one of mine. And the lawyer says, maybe we'll fix him, or maybe we'll sell him for scraps. (laughs) Then a committee of corporate people, and oddly enough, worried parents, Uh (laughs) talk about how to rebuild him. sit down with Juliet Fax and talk about how to rebuild Robocop. This is my favorite part of the whole whole movie. Here's some of the things they say. They say, we're getting a lot of heat from parent groups. All that destructive behavior, he's become a role model for our children. What are we teaching them? If he just talked things out with people instead of firing that big gun of his, he could talk about environmental issues. Mm. <laughs> Maybe we could see him doing something nice, like visit an orphanage. <laughs> or help a cat out of a tree, or go door-to-door collecting for Red Cross. Maybe even roasting some marshmallows with Cub Scouts. This is 100% a committee meeting trying to decide mm-hmm. what the next movie is. Like, that's exactly what it is. There's no other interpretation of this scene. Like, this is what a committee of studio execs looks like when they're trying to figure out what to do with their next franchise. And they're not thinking about the movie. They're just thinking about who can we sell it to? Oh, kids love him. Hey, let's make him teach people. <laughs> like, this is the committee that turned the original RoboCop into the cartoon that was made for children. They were like... He's become a role model for our children. What are we teaching them? Like, we need to make this cartoon a lot more child-friendly. We need to have them do good things. And I just like, why else would worry parents be a part of this conversation? Like, look at the world we're in with their commercials and everything happening on the news. Does this seem like a world where they care about what kids are learning? Like, their kids are freaking criminals in Detroit in this, in this world. And how often have you seen a parent group get together to talk about the actions of a specific police officer and say, this officer needs to be more of a role model for our kids? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It clearly represents like a soulless writer or, or soulless person changing a fictional character to do what they want. And I think it's just such a clear, the way she literally says, I type it you think it. And he yes. says, you type it, I think it. Like, yep. this is a writer <laughs> being like, like someone like Frank Miller comes in, he sees all the previous drafts that have been done that aren't in the spirit of the original RoboCop. And he's like, this is just so many people coming in just being like, I type it, you think it, right? Like, like you know, we're just writing stuff for RoboCop to do, basically. 
And I think the fact that he has a million different prime directives is also really telling because that's why movies and shows end up bad is you've got a committee of people who all have completely different agendas and people they're trying to appeal to and trying to make money in different ways. And you end up with a movie that essentially has a million different visions and directions it's going in, which, as you described the synopsis in the beginning, it kind of feels like with all the different plot lines, this movie was sort of going in a million different directions. And I think that's what all of his, you know, he's got all he's got all these different prime directives now. And that's what that represents. At certain points in the movie, we see screens scrolling by with all of his directives. Some of them are avoid destructive behavior, be accessible. If you haven't got anything nice to say, don't talk. Don't rush (laughs) traffic lights. Don't run through puddles and splash pedestrians or other cars. (laughs) Don't say you are always prompt when you are not. (laughs) This is a really weird one. Don't walk across a ballroom floor swinging your arms. (laughs) You can see these are just completely stupid, meaningless prime directives that are basically just made to appeal to like parents. But there's one in particular that I'd like to point out to you. And I, I want to know if you have any thoughts on one of his prime directives, which you only see through his own eyes just for a split second when it flashes. Avoid Orion meetings. (laughs) which I thought was very funny because there's only one Orion involved with RoboCop and that's Orion, the the studio, the production company. Oh my gosh, that's great. What do you you think this means? No, that's exactly the sort of thing someone would throw in because that's the worst thing is a writer going to a committee meeting with the studio and just Mm -hmm. having a million ideas thrown at what RoboCop needs to do. So yeah, you want to avoid Orion meetings because that doesn't Mm -hmm. help you write a good script. (laughs) I just thought it was a really funny thing for them to include right there in the open. <laughs> so RoboCop gets kidified. He's jaunty. He's got a spring in his step. He's up When he returns cheerful. to the station, all he does is pose, which I think is great. Like he is just literally an action figure <laughs> so now, great. right? Like this He's is like, the kidified me. version of yep. him, whether it's a cartoon or an action figure, you know? Yep. And then what does he do next? He goes out to meet a bunch of kids. He stops a kids' right. baseball team that is robbing, robbing a, a store. store. <laughs> like, what? Why? And then he tries to arrest a corpse, which I think is kind of telling that now he's a kiddie version because yep, he doesn't really good. recognize this is a dead body because, like, that was that's not something that was in the animated yes. show or the you know the the toys. He has no idea this guy is dead now. Death is not a thing to him. <laughs> and then he starts to give like random generic messages to the kids, like "Don't swear, eat right," and they run away. They drive away, but then he pulls over and stops the car because he finds kids playing and having fun in a fire hydrant that's been opened. He then turns off the fire hydrant, (laughs) ruining their fun, and lectures them with nonsensical platitudes like, waste makes haste, for time is sweet, or a rolling stone is worth two in the bush. (laughs) Those are complete nonsense. This is a metaphor for how basically kids were having fun with the violence of RoboCop. And then he came in and turned that off. He's like, well, we can't have any fun here. And we got the cartoon version of RoboCop, which is nonsense. It's no fun. And it mean, it's meaningless. Like, it's just literal crap. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they were showing us. Is, here comes cartoon RoboCop ready to turn off everyone's fun. <laughs> Lewis kind of represents the old school fans. And even like at this point, even the old school fans are turning against him. They're just like, what's with you? I don't understand you. What's yeah. wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, what, what happened to the RoboCop we loved? 
And then, yeah, Robocop goes nuclear and kills himself. Uh, basically, the, the cartoon gets canceled because <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> and hey, Robocop is back. <laughs> Here's the original. <laughs> it's, it's very clear that the series was merchandised towards kids. And this is in spite of the hugely <laughs> violent nature of the movie. We got Michael Miner's input on this as well. And here's what he told us. Even though I've, I've been paid by some residuals for the toys, I haven't really been as involved in tracking that as Ed has. You know, every once in a while, he'll give me a toy from the Robocop line. I will say, though, that toys spun off from films. If you think about Roland Barthes, the, the French critics' analysis of how Toys are made by adults to turn children into adults. That's the simplest version of it. To okay. embrace the main culture, to embrace having a family, Barbie, obviously, to uh, validate war. George Lucas with Star Wars, I mean, he originally was going to direct Apocalypse Now in Vietnam when the war was on, shooting it in 16 millimeter. He was definitely an anti war activist. But yeah. Star Wars, supports the concept of war. I mean, you know, there is a rebel group. You know, if, if you look at how toys operate, spinning off of those kinds of franchises, they're, they're definitely used to socialize children and make them follow yeah. uh, the rules of adults. I mean, that's oversimplification, but I, I don't, no. don't you think... It's totally true. As a kid, I grew up with RoboCop toys everywhere. I loved it. I was like, man, RoboCop, he's so cool. <laughs> I didn't even think about the violence. <laughs> it, it is violence. Fortunately, with Paul, it's quick and it has consequences. So they go to take down Kane. We get a commercial for Sunblock 5000. <laughs> wow. If you want to spend more than 20 minutes in the California sun, just apply a pint. <laughs> and, <Yep>. and also, <laughs> it, it frequently like causes blue. cancer. <laughs> yeah, right. It does what it's supposed to prevent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then the police just like easily take down Kane uh, at this point. Dr. Fax decides that Kane is perfect. When Fax describes why Kane is perfect, she mentions several things, but a couple of the things she mentions are he has a god complex, he's addicted to drugs. Yep. <laughs> like E-209 and Robocop have really good designs. I think purposefully Robocop 2, the robot... Looks like crap. <laughs> yeah, is supposed to just look like a total mess. Like there is nothing yeah, cool or good junk. looking about him. He's <laughs> just junk. <laughs> so Kane is literally just an evil, soulless version of RoboCop, and he's called RoboCop 2. So when RoboCop finds Hob, he's literally dying buried in a pile of money. Wow, yeah, that's true. Yes. <laughs> and also, Whoa. the mayor and other people have been courting him as a source of money to save them. That's true. Yep. <laughs> and he represents the money that they want, right? Like, he is that target audience, that child audience that is only courted to get money, and it doesn't really matter how, whether through violence or through kitty things. The kitty things didn't work, so we're going back to violence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that this kid becomes a source of money for the city because that's how they're seen, you know? Kids are a money farm, you know? Content doesn't right. matter, even if it destroys them or warps them. Just get that money. And I took this to be like uh, Orion, which I feel the city represents Orion. They never wanted to cater RoboCop to kids. That was never their intention. 
but it became a necessity because the executives <laughs> were pushing them to do it and that's the only way they were making money so eventually they're just like all right <laughs> this is how we right, make yeah. money and the mayor Robocop of the city doesn't kids. want to get no money he never from wanted <laughs> to do that but he has to right like he has no other option so specifically hob who represents children gives ocp which represents orion the studio gives them 50 million dollars robocop one grossed 53 million dollars wow dude they were literally playing off of this is the amount that RoboCop 1 made Orion Studios. It made 50 About million, 50 million. Dollars yep. from kids, basically. <laughs> right. So Orion's like, well, we didn't expect to get this money from kids, but all right, we'll take it. This is the only way. <laughs> no, that's good. That's pretty good. Like, that's a very specific amount, and it fits. It's the exact amount that RoboCop 1 made. Uh, OCP unveils RoboCop 2, and when they unveil him, he literally comes out of Detroit, which he then destroys. Do you think that means anything? <laughs> RoboCop 2 is, he doesn't care about Orion. He doesn't care <laughs> about the fans. He doesn't care about anything. Like, it's just a vehicle for the executives to make money. It was, it was yeah. never here to further the franchise. Once he's a robot, all he does is wreak havoc. That's all he does. Like, right. that's all this movie does. And that's all it right. did, really, with the fans. It just wreaked <laughs> havoc. Like, right. The kids didn't like it. The old school fans didn't like it. No one liked it. No one liked it. The studio <laughs> didn't like it, I think, except that it made money. So they were probably happy. No, well, it, it cost $25 million. It grossed $14 million. Oh, It didn't make ouch. money. <laughs> Jeez, how? How could it not make money? RoboCop is huge. <laughs> I don't know, man. And they made a RoboCop 3. Yeah. Which was the first RoboCop I ever watched. Me too. <laughs> Perhaps OCP's plan would have worked. I don't know. Maybe World Cup 2 would have somehow made the money. Though I'm not sure how. This only works no, I, with the metaphor as far as I'm concerned. I don't understand yeah. the plot reason. No, for why the it's... plot makes no sense. <laughs> and why would they want some like drug-crazed maniac to be well, their policeman? The only reason that the final fight of this movie happens is because the old man just randomly decides to just wave around some nuke yeah, wave around for no reason. And yeah, not, not, he has no not reason even... to wave that around. He's just like, see this? This is nuke. Yeah. Yeah, our new RoboCop guy is going to get rid of Nuke and that'll destroy all the crime. Yep. <laughs> RoboCop 2 ends up losing because he ignores RoboCop 1 in the pursuit of Nuke, which, as I said, I think represents money. Money. And the reason that RoboCop 2 loses is because he ignores RoboCop 1 because he's going after the Nuke, which is what the movie did. It ignored the original and did its own thing and it lost. <laughs> yes. I think the biggest thing you could say to maybe critique this theory is, so you're saying the filmmakers knew the film they were making was a mistake? Um, <laughs> yeah. And to that I say, yes, <laughs> I do think that. And I think I've already provided some evidence for as to why. But at the end, the old man and Johnson get off scot-free by blaming it on facts. Yep. Which is always the case in Hollywood, right? You get some ambitious yeah. young executive to sort of helm the sequel to your big franchise and make you money. You feed them what you want and they make it. But if it fails, you blame it on them and fire yeah, them. It was all their and fault. you don't lose anything. <laughs> no, you right? get all the money. <laughs> <laughs> it, that scene is definitely showing like how uh, you know scapegoats work in like a corporate context, right? Like yeah, no sure. matter what, that's what it's showing. <laughs> so and definitely scapegoating happens in a Hollywood corporate uh, context as well. <laughs> yeah. So let's answer it for once and for all. Just, you know, for everyone to hear, who would win in a fight? 
Robocop or a young boy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. The young boy. He won twice. Yeah. yeah well, Robocop he did win never twice. beat him. So, yeah, I think the young boy wins. <laughs> I'd put $50 million on the young boy. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I have to give credit to Lee Barron, uh, whose YouTube channel is called Peaked Interest, because I think he did a lot of the legwork in figuring this out, and he really put together a believable theory. And I completely buy it. Like, this is clearly a metaphor for the making of RoboCop 2 and the dumbing down of the franchise to appeal to kids. Clearly. Right. And it makes the movie more fun to watch. Totally. Yeah. Like, and like you it's said, kind of it a makes crappy it movie watchable. Right. <laughs> right. It's not that fun to watch originally. But now that you know this, go watch the movie watch again it. and you'll like it a lot more. <laughs> uh, let us know what you think. We're on Twitter at Popcorn Isn't Real. Uh, send us a tweet. Tell us if you like the theory, if you have a different theory, uh, if you have any thoughts at all, let us know. If you like the show, uh, make sure to rate, uh, review, subscribe. Uh, it really helps other people to find us if you give us a rating and a review. Music for this episode was provided by Christine. And until next time, remember, the, the popcorn, popcorn isn't, isn't real. real.